In order for shame to be rendered powerless in our lives, we must be witnessed. We must be seen. Your gifting is going to seem like things that are just very obvious. They're going to seem like, well, everybody can be this welcoming. But everybody can see that moment where I just saw. It's going to feel like anybody could do it. And that's what makes it your gifting. Watch how people avoid the face of somebody in need or asking who makes you uncomfortable. Every one of those faces reveal God. We have to remember our past and recount the things that God has done for us. And then that gives us faith to keep going to where he wants us to be. Hey guys, welcome back to the Ansons Podcast. I am Blaine. And I'm Sam. Way to not use a contraction. <laughs> I, you know, there are languages in which you cannot contract words, so. I did not know that. I only speak one and a half languages. <laughs> one and a half? Which is a bit of a contraction in What's itself. What's the half language? Body language? <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, so many more I didn't think about. Yeah. Uh, I either want to start today's conversation on uh, the last triathlon that I didn't show up to mm-hmm, mm-hmm, or mm-hmm. when my precious shed shipwrecked in my driveway. Do you want to kick it off as Gollum? or as self-deprecating seem to be the two options for you. I feel, well, I kind of, the shed one, it has a positive takeaway. It's, Let's start with the triathlon then. I don't okay. want anything positive. Boo. <laughs> Let me set the stage and then you can jump in. You're wearing very bright colors today, I noticed. <laughs> so the he, here's the backdrop. Here's, here's your canvas in which you can then jump in and tell the triathlon story from this summer. For those of you listening for the very first time, welcome to the End Suns podcast. I'm surprised that this is the first one you happen to click on when there's a sex one like 100 episodes ago. My guess is you started there and then you came here. But if you are not aware, we have been enjoying the the sport of triathlon for several years now. I like that two of the three disciplines are no impact. I like that it can fit around boredom actually that was one of the first things for me it was like oh if you're tired of running there's two other things you can do there's not an excuse right so we were doing it quite a lot uh, two years ago 2019 2018 Mm, it was 18 yeah i think our first one was 17 Mm -hmm. maybe even first one was 17 okay and we did at the end of the summer we did a sprint you tried drinking the entire lake to cut down on the swim time. <laughs> yeah. If, <you>, <laughs> if there's less water in the way, then you can just go to the It's exit. called the jet ski strategy. <laughs> yeah. yeah or liquid propulsion. Yeah. Uh, sound theory. <laughs> it's been a while, though, since you and I have done one because of some injuries that you sustained. And I think the last one we did was 2018. We did mm-hmm. an Olympic distance together. And... That was a actually a really beautiful event. Um, I'm a bit faster in the water because of your liquid propulsion, I think. <laughs> and you caught me on the bike and you chose to do the run with me despite not... Ha- I have had a cramp. You didn't. And it was a really beautiful moment. I mean, the wives were in tears as we came around the finish line together. And it's kind of like the end of Cool Runnings. <laughs> it was a lot like the end of Cool Runnings, except... Imagine if at the end, one of the guys then hurts themselves a little bit later and they never touch it and make Bob's lid again. <laughs> it's like the movie where in the end credits, they tell you that the protagonist died. <laughs> You're like, oh, what? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot of sports movies where, oh, I'm thinking of Remember the, Remember the Titans. Um, it's like that. 
because now it's 2021 and you reached out and we're like, hey, you're doing this triathlon later this summer. Can I do it too? Let's make an incense thing out of it. So I'm like, yeah, obviously. Yes. Signed you up. And then I think I got the text that you weren't doing it. <laughs> what? The day before? The day before. But I knew that text was coming. And there's your canvas. <laughs> the canvas is, you know how there are always several ways to package a story to deliver a different the skin moral. The cat. <laughs> there's, if you want the moral of perseverance, you start from the beat. If you want the moral of love lost, you start from the head. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh I thought you said the feet. Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> uh, but this one, yeah, it was, I was going to do a triathlon again. Then there there were these like uh, setbacks starting with right as I was starting training, getting COVID <laughs> right after recovery and like, okay, you know, it's fine. Start training again, get sick again, start training again, and then go into this house whirlwind where months, if not a year ahead of schedule, we end up under contract on a house kind of out in the country a little bit uh, and are selling our house. And it just it turns into this, oh my gosh. I'm running around like a crazy person all of the time. And it's but because are. purely because of the victory lunch. <laughs> because <laughs> you're because of the four the, because the burger of, and beers after I the am. <laughs> it's a symbol of I'm motivated by the drive up, the burger and yes. I'm motivated by the conversation afterwards. It was like, well, maybe I can still do this. But it's part of why we love it, right? Like yes. that's not a bad part when we're all celebrating this shared thing together. I've only done one event by myself and it was a fairly lonely experience. Yes. The, you know, you said we knew that text was coming. Mm -hmm. The interesting thing is, is everyone knew that this text was coming when... Including you? Yeah, when there was no firm commitment, no, I am going to do this. Yeah. In the final weeks leading up. And <laughs> and I could, you know, yeah. I could have dropped to the sprint. I know that I can travel sprint distances without hurting myself. Like I can do the swim. I can do a 12-mile bike, soft pedaling. I can walk a 5K. And so it was not impossible, even though I had trained basically zero. And in fact, there were members of the crew this time who showed up having trained basically, basically zero. zero and did what I did just said. <laughs> they, yeah. yeah. I know one guy had barely run and finished the Olympic. Yeah. And I was like, how did you do it? He's like, I just, you know, I walked all, I think all but one mile, but I just knew that I could travel a 10K before the cutoff time, which is pretty impressive, actually. Yeah. He did cut it a little bit close. Yeah, he was quite close. <laughs> I think he said that Second there was... to last. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the last person being the referee. But why is it that everyone knows I'm not going to do it if I'm hanging back with a, maybe, we'll see. Hmm. Because obviously, I you know, we get to the day before, I've got tons to do the next day, I'm tired, I haven't trained, and it's just like, guys, foregone conclusion, not going to be there, no surprises. Right. Yeah. And now you're like, oh, they're driving towards the title of this podcast. I'm beginning to put these things together. 
Okay, so before you unpack why you feel like it was obvious to everybody else, I'll unpack why I thought it was obvious. Things that aren't in our normal flow in a day, I'm thinking about work, grocery shopping, highly necessary tasks around the house, anything that feels extra outside of like moving from point A to point B, feels like it just the... The requirements rise exponentially in having the energy to to do it. And so particularly something that's that far out, I mean, that thing is like Pluto compared to you being the sun. And that thing is so far out to get up there and do the try after having no rhythm in it. There weren't the group training rides. There weren't the early morning runs. There wasn't the commitment to the thing that makes me go like, whoa, this, this would be a bit like winning the lottery or a lightning strike or like something highly random. It, it would be almost bizarre for you to show up that day and go, hey, I'm doing this thing now. Um, it'd be like the alcoholic friend showing up to church on Easter and you're being like, but you haven't been here in 20 years. Why are you here today? Like there was there'd be nothing in you that would expect it. And I'd I would that would that would be the way I'd begin to unpack it is just kind of go nothing about your rhythm, your values in that season indicated that it was going to make it into the list of planets. That, I don't know. Yeah, totally. It's a question of why do I do the things that I do? Which is actually yeah. it's really interesting and I I would like to ask some of my friends this question, especially some of my existentialist friends. Do you mean personally or do you mean in terms of like, why does anybody do what they do? No. Oh, uh, or are you going to like ask a friend and have them tell you why you do what you do? Maybe both. I'd like to hear why they think. <laughs> uh, yeah, I know. That'd be really interesting. And I don't mean, you know, why do I do the things I do? Why do I like characteristic positive or negative responses? But like the things that I do with my day yeah. where eat breakfast or not, show up at work or not, rendezvous with friends to exercise or not, play with my kids or not. And there's sort of an interesting gamut here where there are things that sort of in quotes have to do, but I think it's true in my life and it would be true in most of the lives of the guys I know that they aren't doing all of the things they in quotes have to do meaning like they'll be punished or lose something or suffer some loss of quality of life if they don't do those things. Mm -hmm. But I'll go, you know, I, in the range of like, I do have to be here to record by 10. Right. And yet, and I tend to be here around 10. Uh, I'd say 90% of the time. I would say that's pretty, 90% is pretty good for me. Is, that's an A. <laughs> but there's like, man... Everything has <laughs> has uh, my mind's going an off infinite number of I know there's case. like infinite levels of complexity, but I'm like if I were to loosely define the boxes, um, I would be like things that I have to do or else really change the form of my life in a season, and then I would go the next box mm -hmm. are like things that are in season values. Mm -hmm. And there are always a few of those mm -hmm. like, and then 
I think there's just the big other bucket, which is the really interesting stuff of like, how does stuff get in there, especially uh, as a, you know, as you move further in your twenties, and then certainly as you move into your thirties, you you become, in general, less and less available right. because there are more people for whom you are responsible, or more people who have fairly legitimate claims on your time. Hmm. Yeah, I'm feeling a little bit more confused by those categories that you're putting out there because there wasn't like, other than the last one, tangible. So help me unpack this a little bit. I notice that there's a shift in, in a category for me between things I do and things I'd like to do. And even in that little bit of phrasing, I'm going to do the things that I do. But things I'd like to do, I maybe strong, maybe do one of them eventually. And it's just this like weird category of things I'd like to do can just live out there forever. So for instance, I have had a alarm on my watch go off at 5.30 a.m. every morning for the last two months. Would you like to know how many days I have gotten up and either gone for a run or had some quiet time or done some journaling or started the day on my terms before the rest of the family got, gets up. Yes, I would like to know. What's your guess? I'm going to guess zero. <laughs> yeah, straight up zero. So two months of this alarm going off, not once. And it's because for me, it's in that second category. It's in that I would like to get up and, and, and start the day this way. But it's not it's not the former category. It's not I do this. My alarm's going off because this is the time I get up. I know the time I get up is like 6.50, not 5.30. And so when that alarm goes off, it's like, click, roll back over. <laughs> okay, so things you do do, things you wish you did mm -hmm. or want to do. Which feel like your first two categories, Yeah, right? what makes... And then the third is... Well, I th the my wish I did was the third one, like the... Oh, okay. I would go, what are the things that you for sure do? I for sure go to work. If it's a work day, I for sure make meals for my family, at least breakfast, maybe also dinner, depending on how busy the day is. Um, I for sure go to the bathroom. <laughs> and beyond that, I don't know. <laughs> Everything else is up in the air. I'm not like for sure going to be a good dad. I'm not for sure going to pray. I'm not for sure going to exercise. It feels like, you know, that the kid in up, uh, what's his name? Ralph. That's not right. Uh, come on. The up kid? The up kid. The, the boy scout. Is. He's got a name. Yeah. Adorable. Russell. Russell. I feel like there's a, there's a version of me that is him inside me. And he doesn't like any form of discomfort. And so for sure... Every other choice beyond those few that I named is going to be an uphill battle. Yes. I have a very similar list. It's like, go to work, family-related tasks, do parenting, put my kids to bed. Like, And it's interesting using, you know, <laughs> using just the A-B test here of things I do, things I wish I did. Why do so few things from the wish I did category 
make, make it, it over into the things I do category. Yes. And then how slash why slash when mm -hmm. do you make the effort to get something to switch over would be a wonderful thing to know. Yes. And I'm thinking back on, on when we did the kickoff for the February experiment, we were kind of laying out some of the, okay, we understand the data on creating new habits seems to suggest that nothing is ever really a habit. Yeah, nothing's ever a habit. It's always a choice. And yet... I can tell you're in grad school because you said that the data suggest rather than show or prove. Or... I know. I mean, the fact that even gravity is a theory just sort of... <laughs> you're like, this suggests this... It certainly indicates... The data shows up and is like, hey, do you want to go out for lunch soon? <laughs> yeah, good suggestion, uh, data. Thanks. <laughs> um, so I'm thinking about Luke in terms of his triathlon journey. And there was a season where he was getting into it and every choice to go out for a run or a bike ride or a swim was in that uphill battle. The inner dialogue was, sorry, Luke, for putting words in your mouth, but I think this is the case. But it's inner, so it's the words in his heart. Okay, so, <laughs> great. <laughs> words are coming from your being through me to the world. You're welcome. This is hard. This is not who I am. I am not an athlete. I don't do this sort of thing. This is easier for others. Okay, maybe these are the things that I say about lots of things. Um, and there was a shift for him at one point where it became, no, I am a runner. This is my lifestyle. This is who I am. And I feel like that was this wonderful shift for, over to that I'm going to do this everyday category out from I'd like to category. And I think about the folks who were able to do the February experiment with us. Like that mentality thing really is, it's wild, right? Like the folks who said, oh, I want to try that almost to a person failed. And the folks who said, yeah, I'm going to do that with you. Almost to a person succeeded. Yes. And it's more than semantics, clearly. Like it's not just, oh, you used the wrong word. And therefore you've, you've missed the bubble on the test. The, the answer was actually B, not A. Sorry. Like there's, there is this power behind what we're committing to and whether it's something that we do and a part of our identity and whether it's something that we'd like to do and is this sort of like ethereal, I'd like to visit Redwall and be an otter. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to have a Jeep Cherokee that's in good condition to have as a secondary car. I'd like to have a pontoon boat. By the way, Barry, I feel like you're editing out my solicitations for pontoon boats. And, you know, uh, for, I, would never, I, ever I just assume because one hasn't showed up in my door yet. <laughs> Today's test question, Barry, is how many feet of the pantheons of the people Army that he yard. conquered did Alexander the Great try to become a part of? Four. Okay. Um, Good. <laughs> okay, so... To unpack this even a little bit more, take you into my experience of the try. Um, I didn't train as much as I wanted to, and yet it was also, bizarrely, the most relaxed I felt in different stages. Like, I got to the run, and I had this crazy experience where I started running, I was exhausted, the words that came to my mind were, uh-oh, <laughs> because I felt like I'd pushed it too hard on the bike which I probably did because I looked at my time from two years ago and tried to beat it and it wasn't in the same place at all. <laughs> managed to beat it, but nice. thus it was like, I've made a terrible mistake. So I start running and I want to be able to go faster. 
I see people that are passing me. I try and kind of like chase them a little bit, but I just can't, I can't sustain it. And so I, I dropped down into a pace that I can maintain. And it was really interesting. I enjoyed the run a lot after like a mile and a half. So I had 6.2, had the 10K to do. And I was suffering, but all of a sudden I was relaxed because some, something in my brain had switched over to, oh, I can do a nine minute pace and I can sustain that. It's slower than I'd like to be able to do, but I know that if I go faster, I'm gonna burn myself out. And so I have nothing to prove. I'm not gonna podium. I'm not being chased by one of my brothers right now. I don't have to stay ahead of them. <laughs> I can just do what I know I can do. And it was so, it was crazy. It was so enjoyable. I just like went for a run. And, and it felt like that, that shift again for me from the, this is who I am. This is what I do. This is what I can do. Instead of a, oh, I'd like to, or maybe I'll try. The point isn't don't try anything. Yeah, no, this like, is so good. Well, cause we're, so what we're getting to is that we won't regularly do, we won't routinely do anything that's not absolutely necessary. Yeah. Which is something that the jockos of the world can tell you. Mm. And it is the no option, be all in. You know, I spent a long time this spring reading uh, books about you know, psychologists reflecting on conditioning soldiers and how the most effective mantra for Navy SEALs enduring BUDS training was, this is what I'm doing. <laughs> and yes, uh, right. It wasn't, I can do this. It wasn't man of action. It wasn't overcomer. It was a kind of blank statement about reality. Mm -hmm. This is the way it is. Uh, but we're going to move a little further than that yeah. already in what you're talking about, because you know, Jocko's... He's like your foil or something. What is? I, did, I don't know why he keeps coming up, but I just be like, man, if I ever had the opportunity to work out with Jocko and just hang out for a little bit, oh yeah. my gosh, I would jump on that. It'd be so fun. Yeah. <laughs> Jocko, I know you're not listening, but uh, what's up? <laughs> Sorry for what I said about you on that accidental live stream. <laughs> and, but, you know, discipline equals freedom. The make the choice, the no option. Yes. And to go... No option is very helpful, mm. but it's not the final thing. Our no options are determined by our identity. Mm -hmm. The we won't live beyond identity thing. And the, the flip side, the story that looks cool is in the course of, you know, selling my house in this crazy tiny period of time, I was, I'm bringing the shed that I built with me to the new property. But in a matter of days, I had to... Uh, cut holes in my foundation, do a half dozen other things, re-shingle part of a roof, rebuild a fence, including like multiple posts, pack all my stuff while my wife's taking care of my kids. Send your into your crawl space yeah, to fight off brown recluse spiders and spread plastic tarping everywhere. The nope spiders and the shed, like, you know, I had not screwed the decking to the joists except around the side. So it was, this is why, uh, Home inspections exist like for builders, not for buyers, uh, because that's the kind of thing that would have been noticed. And that way, when the hydraulic trailer picked up my shed, it wouldn't have stripped out the joists like it did because they weren't attached to anything besides the rim joists. So like my shed shipwrecks in my driveway and 
uh, for about a 10-day period and then getting like intensifying and intensifying all the way until we closed, there was this, this is an insurmountable amount of work. Mm-hmm. And when I was telling some of that story about like, hey, like when the shed fell, like, did you yell? Were you so mad? Like, uh, no, because in that period, that was a no option period. And it was like, I am going to close. I will not stop. The only way that I will lose is if I run out of time. And so mobilizing people and doing work and late nights and all of that was possible inside a story where there was no other option. Mm -hmm. It was exhausting. I don't want to live every day like that. Right. Uh, because there was a there was a hardness, there was a lack of heart participation in something that was very cerebral that was just like there's no choice. And we're, this is where the Kierkegaards of the world come back and go, there is a choice. You could not sell your house. You could these things like uh and to go so for Kierkegaard to be wrong, it has to be deeper than a choice that I've made. It has to be a way the world is. And it's like, which is where we get back into the identity territory of how do you shape? How do you realize? How do you engage the territory of identity Mm -hmm. and then discover the things that are therefore absolutely necessary? Mm -hmm. Because you'll do those things. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like we're we're tapping into some of the energy behind the motivation stuff. That's why you refer to Jocko and thinking of entrepreneurs and thinking of some of my friends who were like really, really working hard to free themselves from debt, start a business, work towards a goal. And there is this shift, right? Like you have to make a shift from these are some dreams that we have to this is what we do. This is what we're working for. And you have to have that concrete vision, if it's something for the future, or the sense of self, if it's in the present, that you go, no, th- there isn't another option. If, if what I want to happen is this thing, I don't, there aren't choices. I take away the other choices. Um, Susan and I would travel a lot. We would you would sacrifice a lot of things in the short term. So there was, you don't go to see movies. You don't, you don't have somebody cut your hair. You don't get the coffee. Like you make all of these, you cut out a lot of small luxuries in the short term because in your mind you're going, I'm going to do this trip in eight months and every dollar that we save is going to make that happen. It gives a real concreteness in the moment where you're like, well, today's just a day that I wish I had gotten that thing, that coffee, that beer, that whatever. But I know I'm not, that's not even an option because all of that has a purpose. All of that has this drive. And it's a lot harder to do than it seems because that inner Russell, that inner part of me that goes like, no, what I have to do in a day are the things that everybody else demands of me, which is I have to get out of bed. I am being paid. So I have to go and sit at my desk. There are imminent demands at that desk. I have to deal with those. But those, that like, just doing the things that have to get done has also been the recipe for the most unhappy days I've experienced. And when I've talked about my 
work and my productivity or my dreaming just in that little front, I can get caught in the weeds for years. That's the expression we used in um, the restaurant business. Like when you're in the weeds, you are getting slammed by requests. They're coming and you can't, you you literally can't see the next thing because you're just trying to climb your way out of what's in front of you. And I hate those days at work where it's just a thousand small tasks. And at the end of the day, you haven't actually moved your larger mission down the field in any way, shape, or form. And somebody asks, oh, what are some bigger projects you're working on and dreaming about? And you're like, I, what? Huh? (laughs) Oh, I feel even worse now that you asked me that question because you reminded me that there is a larger trajectory and all I could do today was try and like untangle things. Yeah, man. This is where limited capacity really comes up for me, which is like- totally. You know, I've written, I've written, we've talked to other places about uh, the fact that we don't have enough time, lifetime, yes, to do very many things. It's very hard not to live someone else's story. Mm. <laughs> and we, you know, we were talking about how when we, you know, we did our interview with Randy James, Dr. James, way back in the day. And I loved his, yeah. what is your definition of true life? And you can't say happy, healthy, normal, or well. It's like, because that none of that means anything. Mm. And really pushing into the territory of what do you want? And how easy it is to get swept up into other people's stories, especially if they're well-defined. But how, you know, I've had, I've had friends who haven't jumped on the triathlon bandwagon say like, man, I'd like, I would, I don't want to do a triathlon. And ask, why? Do you like those sports? Mm. Do you like to run? Do you like to bike? Like, you only have to like two or three, okay? You need a quorum. <laughs> and yeah. most people don't like swimming, but sometimes you get Alex's who are like, you know, I can bike like a beast and I can swim like a beast and I, I'll run. <laughs> and I'll run out of sheer determination. Yes. And I think on the swimming thing, people don't like feeling stupid and bad at things. And so I'd be like, Pay for a coach for a couple of days. I think you actually will like swimming. There are people who don't like those sports. Any of them, right? And are like, maybe they don't even like low impact cardio or being around large groups. They don't, yeah, they don't like, uh, <laughs> they don't like groups. They don't want to get hit by a car. Uh, and those people will be like, what do you want? They'd be like, you know, uh, well, I want to be fit. Be like, what do you want? Okay, I think I know what we're talking about here. And we're talking about, like, you want to feel good about how you look. And that's not a fitness issue. <laughs> so you lifting won't fix that. Oh, this thing that, that you're naming of, like, other people and their momentum is not a substitute for you having clear, defined self-identities and values that are your own. For you knowing what are the two or three things you're going to do. And this comes up over and over and over again. Like, yeah. Steve Jobs would famously go... Let's put everything, you know, in a staff meeting on the board that we're working on. What are we developing right now? And then he would go, okay, now we're going to cross off all but three. And what gets to stay? What gets to stay between these two? What between these two? Warren Buffett, famously the same advice. There's a story where he was talking to his pilot, you know, Warren Buffett, one of the wealthiest individuals on the planet, famous investor. And he was, he has a plane, he has a pilot, he's chatting with his pilot and going, Alrighty, what a life, man. Do you really want to be doing this? And the pilot finally admits no. And, and Warren Buffett's thing to him 
was, okay, if you want to do something else, you're going to have to pick no more than three, preferably two. The ultimate masters, one, Mm -hmm. and nothing that does not support that goal passes muster. And it is this thing of Mm. we have to reiterate where we are. We're like, we won't do things that are absolutely necessary. What's absolutely necessary is determined by identity. Oh, and by the way, one of the difficulties of identity and what it is that we bring to the world and who we are is that there are only a few things. And so if like me, in my things I wish I did, that is an infinite bucket. Yeah. Oh, That's yeah. a problem. Right. Because you'll never do any of them. Yeah. I, wanna, I want to backpack and I want to be good at fishing and I want to paint and I want to spend more time with friends mm-hmm. and I want to get up early and I want to master the Bible and I want to learn another language. And like, there's this infinite bucket. Yeah. It's the everything's a priority. Nothing's a priority. Well, like nothing rises to the top of that bucket mm. because I don't have a sorting tool. Yeah, so I I go to what is the one thing for this season? Because it's not like I only do one thing, you know, like triathlon. I love it in the summer. And so some of the training begins in the spring, but eventually it gets cold here in Colorado and there's snow. And I don't love running on a treadmill and biking on a stationary and swimming in a pool all winter long. I like being fit, but the season has ended for that. So something else takes its place. In another life, I would have become a marine biologist because I love the ocean. I love warmth. I love the smell of the sea. I am really intrigued by fish. I could, I could live in an aquarium if you gave me a tent and wouldn't kick me out because yeah, I just you were find them in the water. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> First, you could live, fair point. You could live right by an aquarium. Uh, yes, I could live looking at. <laughs> we like visited the shed aquarium in Chicago and. Like you walk in and just see this massive tank with corals and just turtles and fish and seaweed. And you go like, um, I didn't know that I was unwell until I saw this. Mm. And this has taught me that I, I was thirsty and I needed something and I didn't know it yet. And so because that trajectory for being a marine biologist and having excuse to um, do more scuba as part of my profession than I get to as part of my recreation, a thing for me for a season was I really care about nurturing this part of delight in me. And so I got to do this fish tank in our house and look into what's compatible. What are these plants? What, like, how do I create a healthy ecosystem? And so it became like my focus and I dove deep into it for several months. Yeah, you're freaking there's a whole farmer now. There's a whole world of it. Well, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. shrimp farmer. Shrimp farmer. Yeah. Um, well, that was one of those like could have remained in the I'd like to category, but became the singular piece because it was supporting what I felt in a season was the invitation into I don't know, say yes to the things that you feel almost embarrassed about that they delight you because there's a, a younger part of you. And in this case for me, like there was a younger part of me that really wanted to get to create something that's soul restoring and beautiful and a little bit nerdy and 
I got the green light from Susie and green light internally. And, and so it became, it was like what I did. Mm. It wasn't like something I was thinking about. It was all of a sudden it became my focus for a season. And I love it. It's now not like I create aquascapes. Um, I, I don't have more than one. I you know, would love to do more, but that's where I kind of go. This singular focus also needs to have this question of like, what is it for this season? Because I think in your case, the triathlon was not the right answer for that season. But a couple of years ago, when we got to do that race together and have that moment crossing the line together, I think that was appropriate for the season. And so the same thing isn't like, you don't get just to just whitewash it and go, I'm an outdoorsman, so I'm always going to be outdoorsy. And it's like, well, I've actually seen that really harm families and, yes. and your parenting and your kids suffer because of that. So there's actually some nuance and some rhythms to this. Yes. And part of the Anson's ethos is how do you do this? How does this come from a life with God? When we were having a conversation about this podcast, our producer talked about... He doesn't have a name. Uh, Alan. <laughs> yeah. Talked about Annie Grace and the alcohol experiment and her thing. We have like 99% is impossible. Not there. I'm, I'm I've already sworn. Uh, 99%, but now the kids are listening. Oh, they are. 99% is impossible. Uh, 100% is a breeze. We could say that it's just out there in the world that the only way through is no option. Right. And I'd be like, yeah. That's kind of like learning a life skill that's true apart from God. I don't think that's. I don't think that anything is true apart from God. I think that's one of the great poisonous myths of the Enlightenment experiment. Uh, and I would say, so how does this work seasonally? Identity. How does this work in going? All right, Jesus. I see that being all in for a few things is one of the secrets to thriving in season. How do I do that with you? Which I feel like is born out of, for me, a few questions that I often forget to ask. Mm. But when I do ask them, it's like, Jesus, what are you after in me in this season? What is this season about for me? Yep. Right? And once I have that answer, go, okay, and in view of that, what do I sort of have capacity to do? To use mm -hmm. Christian jargon, what do I have the grace to do? The, like, you know, I'm sure you know this, that the word grace is the word gift. <laughs> like, uh, what are you giving me the ability to do right now? And I will do that. Uh, and it's interesting because like right now, too much to do is one of my problems, like infinite opportunity. I've got this nonprofit project. I've got this farm to start. I've got this capital acquisitions thing. And so any day when I sit down, it's just like, boom, brain can go in a million directions. Like I can spend a whole day reading a permaculture book, but kind of get nowhere because, yep. you know, I'm just like, I'm flailing in the water. There's no, there's no refinement. There's no direction. Yep. And so I'm finding like, oh man, real time right now. I need to be like, oh, yeah, Jesus, like, what are you after in particular? And then in view of that, you tell me, let's figure out together what 
the characteristic activities are. What are the things that I'll feel momentum in? And then I can maybe decide in season, like, those are my non-options. Not for the rest of my life, but for right now. Yep. Okay, so I'm now I'm back to the very first story in this podcast, why you didn't come to the triathlon. And I felt a little bit mean kind of bringing it up to you the other day of like, hey, so you didn't do this thing, but I think there still might be some content there if you want to unpack it. So thanks for jumping in with that one. I think what is revealing is twofold. Like it's the part of you were 90 plus percent in, but not a hundred. And therefore, right, because I did run and bike and swim and right, but the door was still open to. I'm not sure. It's something I'd like to do. I'd like the fruit of it, but I don't actually. I'm I'm not doing it. It wasn't like the Navy SEALs. This is this is what we're doing, and so there's that's part of it, and part of it is it actually wasn't what's going on for you in this season, and it wasn't the right thing for the moment. It wasn't what God is up to, and so. Yeah, no, I wasn't surprised. I kept pinging you because I wanted to like hear you say the words. Like, <laughs> I'm, it's not happening this year. But it just makes me return to what are the things, a few things for this season and how am I fully committing to them and closing the door or putting the plastic cover over the eject button to go, no, I'm in. This is what the season is for. It's really interesting landing on the triathlon example, you know, which would go triathlon's not about triathlon. Uh, and I think that this is a relevant part of the discovery process. Mm -hmm. It would be, oh, God, like, um, you know, like, what is it? What is it that you want and try? And be like, well, it's usually because it's a great communal space. And for your and I working relationship, it's, it's, a, it's like a key, like, oh, well, do, this is a thing we can do together. Mm -hmm. And I think that part of the reason of not doing try this year would have been to have, like, I feel like I could feel Jesus asking, asking the question, and do you need that right now? Because mm. I would be like, no, actually, you and I have much more mojo talking like we were before this podcast. Like in this season, we connect pretty easily around like uh, what are dreams, what are things outside work, what are, and this other activity uh, isn't really where the action is. Hmm. And so it's like, a, oh man, um, part, of, part of observing where the seasonal grace has shifted does require naming the underlying function, like mm -hmm. to build relationship and to go, is that relationship still a priority in the season? Yes. Well, do, <laughs> does it need to be, does it need to be, does it need triathlon? No, it's fine. Be like, okay, well then I would have just gone go. at the beginning. No. And, you know, saved myself every run that I went for, uh, because I would not a hundred bucks to boot. I would not run, uh, I would ride bikes exclusively mm -hmm. if, it, if I did not have to go run in a try. 